Hello there, and welcome to Powerhouse Politics. I'm ABC News political director Rick Klein. And I'm ABC political reporter Mary Alice Parks. And Mary Alice, a big week to end the year, almost, or bring us up to Christmas. The the, the White House, the Republicans, have a reason to celebrate. For the first time all year, they have a major legislative victory. And wow, is it major? When you look at what they have just done with this this tax bill, it is astounding. And look at a big picture here, because we get caught up in a lot of the day-to-day, what's what's going on, what's not. Uh, they are remaking the American tax system uh, in, in, a, in a fundamental way, and in a way that is going to have long-lasting ramifications for every American and for American politics. And change the entire narrative about this town. All year we've been talking about Republicans really coming up short, unable to pass major pieces of legislation, and this time, though the president has not signed the bill yet, into law, they really had something to celebrate there on the White House lawn. Yeah, about the White House lawn, the superlatives were as thick as the Christmas references uh, over at the White House. Take a listen to how President Trump uh, celebrated this this legislative victory. We broke every record. It's the largest, I always say the most massive, but it's the largest tax cut in the history of our country. And Mary Alice, it is a big political gamble as well, because first of all, it's not true that it's the largest tax cut in American history. But secondly, like not even close, not even close, not even not even top barely, 10. Like not top even top 10. 10. But 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 secondly, and, and makes most relevantly, it is skewed to benefit primarily corporations. Uh, wealthier Americans make out a lot better. About one in five Americans, uh, including some in some of the higher tax states, end up paying more under this bill. So in, in terms of we can keep the Christmas, uh, the Christmas references alive. It's a mixed bag under that tree. And it, it really depends on what, what you're opening, because the, people are going to be, I think, quite surprised by this over time. Uh, but the Republican gamble is on, that this, that this will be the salvation of the Republican Party in 2018. The biggest gifts are for the corporations, and the American people really took that message to heart. That's why the polling has been really, uh, you know, underwater on this bill. By and large, Americans have said they didn't want this, and Republicans answering by saying that they will change their mind over time, but it is really interesting to watch them celebrate and pat each other on the back when the American people are not convinced. Yeah, and we're going to check in a little bit later with uh, with Congressman Joe Crowley, a member of House Democratic leadership, a Democrat from New York, about how Democrats are messaging this. I, I think when you're looking at political signs in this, Mary Alice, I found it very telling that a grand total of zero Democrats, both House and Senate combined, zero Democrats voted for this. Now, we know there aren't as many blue dog, moderate Democrats as there used to be, but there's a bunch of them running in, in red states and red districts, and they weren't even tempted to go down this path. To me, that speaks to the unpopularity of, of President Trump, first and foremost, because these are tax cuts, after all. Who's against a tax cut? But but secondly, I think it's it, 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 they're, they're viewing this as a chance to take back an economic argument that Donald Trump captured, that he was able to tap into this economic populism. Their calculation in opposing this, and again, 12 Republicans in the House joined them in this gamble, in this calculation, is that when people look at this on balance, they will say, wait, this doesn't actually help the little guy, or it doesn't help the little guy enough to justify the extreme costs. And justify potential other cuts to other social programs down the road that Republicans have talked about. But it also, that that stark difference, no Democrats voting for this, very few Republicans uh, voting against it, gets to a fundamental difference between these two parties. We've talked about the fact that policies have been thrown out the window, political ideas is very wishy-washy in the last few elections. But when it comes to this, sort of a philosophy on how you boost the economy, a philosophy on big government versus small government, it comes down to this in really 
stark terms. Republicans fundamentally believe that lower taxes help bring jobs, help bring wages, and Democrats say it is just not that simple and that trickle-down economics has been tried before. And so both parties, we see, uh, sticking to their guns, and they think they're going to come out on top with something to message to voters. And if you look throughout this year, I think it's a great point, you look throughout this year about what actually binds Republicans. Now, it wasn't repealing and replace Obamacare. I mean, they were they were one big happy family today. They, 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 we they, have they, not they, seen. They, surely that. And, and if you can get um, Susan Collins and Ted Cruz on board together on something, then you must be doing something right as a Republican. And uh, the, the virtual unanimity... Uh, in, in the Senate, at least, a couple of household outs, which we'll get to a little bit with uh, with Congressman uh, Crowley in the discussion. But I was struck also by the the kind of blase attitude, I would say, that Republicans have had we're talking about the popularity of this bill, because it's undeniably underwater. I mean, we're talking about 33%, 35% approval ratings for, again, a tax cut bill. There's not a lot of trust that this bill will do what Republicans are quite uh, quite openly saying it will do, of, of helping out middle-class, everyday Americans. Listen to what House Speaker Paul Ryan, who's, I mean, this is a guy that's been working his whole career for a moment, a moment like this. Listen to how he is describing the public perceptions around this bill. When people actually see that instead of getting tax increases, they're getting a tax cut, when they see the withholding tables changing in February and seeing more money in their paychecks, when they're seeing the economic growth that will result from, from historic tax reform, I think, I think minds are going to change, and I think people are going to change their view on this. Results are going to be what makes this popular, the House Speaker says. Results are going to be what makes this popular. There are obvious parallels to 2010 when, uh, when, when Nancy Pelosi talked about the need to pass this thing so the American people could understand what's in it and the need to sell it. But man, that is some gamble to say we realize that we have an unpopular president. We realize that the American people don't believe that this thing is doing what, 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 it, what we say it's, it's going to do. But we are going to blow up the nation's tax system and have confidence that the results are going to be something the American people accept. And you just need to trust us. Yes. That's the message from that. We know better than you, and you should trust us. And he's right in one sense. They will be judged on how the American people benefit or see a perceived benefit from this bill. If if the average voter does get more money in their wallet, that could be a major political boost. Like you said, who doesn't like that? Uh, but if that ends up being a small amount or they feel like it doesn't add up in the grand scheme of things, uh, then, then this was a gamble that just might not pan out. And we should point out that these are almost side notes in the context of, uh, of what they did on taxes, but it's not just that they're remaking the nation's tax code as part of this bill. They're also blowing up a good portion of Obamacare, the nation's health care system, by eliminating the individual mandate. The Congressional Budget Office says 13 million less people are going to obtain health care as a result fewer. of this. Fewer. Fewer. Thank you that for the grammatical crazy. decision. Thank you, Mary Alice. Even in radio, we got to get grammar right. But 13 million fewer people, and, and, and there's going to have a trickle-down effect throughout the markets. And the opening up of ANWR, the Arctic National Wildlife Refuge. I mean, talk uh, about refuge. something Republicans have wanted for a generation. Man, you remember those Hulk ties from Ted Stevens on the Senate floor? I mean, he finally gets his, his day on this so you're, you're also remaking the energy landscape in, in, in this country. So after uh, you know, 11 months of saying, well, the Republicans could get nothing done, to be able to say, we did taxes, we did a big thing on health care, we did a big thing on energy and environment. You mentioned earlier the changing of the narrative. Is that enough to now say 
You, you can't say it's a do-nothing Congress anymore. Right, and that this issue was the one that brought Republicans together. You had people like Susan Collins who put their foot down on other changes to the health care bill, now switching sides uh, because this was such a fundamental piece of Republican philosophy, Republican agenda, that they wanted to make sure they got this done, even if that meant big changes to the health care law that they weren't comfortable in other past votes. Uh, even the ANWR, sort of even the, the opening up the drilling to uh, the Arctic... Uh, opening up parts of the Arctic Wildlife Refuge to drilling. That's something that Republicans in the past, especially in the wake of past oil spills, have voted against everyone coming on board because this was just a fundamental piece of legislation they wanted to support. And their big calculation is that something is better than nothing, which you can understand the need for politically going into 2018. Uh, This is going to be quite a ride because I think it's become a lot more complicated, a lot more nuanced when talking about President Trump and his leadership. Clearly, he is vastly unpopular. Clearly, his approval ratings are are very bad. Clearly, there are major challenges that face him that have nothing to do with the legislative front. By the way, the Russia investigation still ticking around. Uh, We're starting to see some major pushback from members of Congress on some some appointments, which I think is significant. But 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 the president, I think, is someone as is a, is a master marketer who understands the need for winning and, and the way that winning can beget winning. And, and I just wouldn't underestimate what that scene means for the Republican Party going into Christmas as they, they head home for a little bit of a break and try to regroup before the first of the year. You know, just a week ago, we were talking about the devastating loss that Republicans suffered down in Alabama and the fact that a, a Democratic senator would be representing Alabama for the first time in a quarter century. That's sort of gone in the in the in, in the national narrative for the moment. It'll be back. We'll have time for that again. It'll be back when he's sworn in. Certainly that. But but for the moment, Republicans are able to say they're getting stuff done and they're getting stuff done they feel pretty good about. And that they really felt like they had to. Republicans knew that it was just a not uh, not an option. It was not an option for them to come back in the new year without something to show for controlling every single lever in this town for an entire year. And the idea that it was a gamble or they're not sure about how things will pan out was a gamble worth taking because the worst thing would be passing no bills. That's right. And the gamble by Democrats, again, every single Democrat lining up against, you could not be more clear on the ideological differences between the parties. They have made their uh, their views known. Uh, we, we know well how how there are so many red state Democrats who are up for election in a state, some of them that Trump won very, very handily. Uh, the fact that none of those people, none of the Joe Manchins or the Heidi Heitkamps or the Joe Donnellys, none of them were even tempted to vote for this bill tells you something about the confidence that they go into. Uh, that, to me, is is really striking. But, they, but don't underestimate how big a gamble that is by the Democrats. They're all going to be able to, they'll have ads run against them saying that uh, the Senator so-and-so had a chance to cut your taxes and said no. All right, Mary Alice, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll be joined by a member of House Democratic Leadership, Congressman Joe Crowley. Over 3 million businesses use Indeed.com for hiring, and independent research shows five times more hires are made through Indeed than any other job site. By creating the easiest, most effective hiring experience, Indeed helps businesses find great new people every day. Right now, Indeed is giving new users a $50 credit to post a sponsored job on the world's number one job site. Claim your credit at Indeed.com offer. Terms, conditions, and quality standards apply. Hey, this is Dan Harris, and uh, I want to tell you about my podcast called 10% Happier. You can listen every Wednesday for new guests and new perspectives. Some of these are people you know, uh, celebrities, athletes, executives. Uh, some of them are uh, more obscure people that I'm obsessed with that I think you might be obsessed with once you uh, give them a listen. 
and you can hear about how they're using meditation to up their game in all these interesting areas of life. Again, the podcast is called 10% Happier. You can find it on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening right now and subscribe today. Are you feeling limitless? I don't think I've ever told this story publicly on the air anywhere, but I'll tell it now. Welcome to No Limits. I'm Rebecca Jarvis. Are you a psychiatrist? (laughs) No. Each week, we're taking an honest look at success and how to get there with the boldest, most influential women in the world. Jessica Alba, Ariana Huffington, Issa Rae, Barbara Corcoran, Robin Roberts. Welcome to No Limits. Listen on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. This is No Limits. And we're pleased to be joined here on Powerhouse Politics by the chairman of the House Democratic Caucus, the gentleman from Queens, New York, uh, Congressman Joe Crowley. Mr. Crowley, thanks for joining us. Thanks, Rick. Great to be with you, Mary Alice. Thank you. So let's let's talk about uh, what the play is here. And I want your your prediction. Put on a crystal ball hat here and figure out for us where things are going to stand uh, once this uh, th- this tax bill is fully implemented. What is your vision of what this is going to actually mean for the American people over the next year? Well, what I think people are going to come to realize is that the Republicans uh, went into our bank account and they borrowed against uh, the future of America to, to the tune of $1.5 trillion, when all said and done, we believe over $2 trillion, uh, to give um, the special interest corporations, and the wealthiest of the wealthiest in our country, a major tax cut. Uh, and what they've done is, in essence, they, they, they pulled the biggest bait and switch of all time. The president was out in middle America talking about how we heard middle America and he's going to respond to them, he's going to give them all a tax cut. In the end, he's giving them pennies. Uh, and, and, and the wealthiest in this nation and special interest corporations are walking away with 83%. Uh, or more of of this tax cut. It's simply outrageous. So what does that mean for the for the Democratic argument going forward? I think you allude to the way that the president campaigned and the way he even campaigned for this this tax bill. What does it mean politically to your mind for Democrats moving into the midterm year? Well, I think uh, that the next phase that they're going to move into now is is the, is the cuts. They're going to say that the deficit is out of hand. And because of that, they need to make drastic cuts in Social Security and Medicare and Medicaid. This has all been part of the Paul Ryan plan to begin with, and he sold it to the president, even though the president said to the American people during his campaign that he would never cut Social Security or Medicare. And yet I think that's what's on the block next. So it's, it, you know, the, part of this is, is this whole tax, uh, tax scam, or as we're calling it, a tax plan, that really doesn't make a difference in the lives of, of working-class men and women in this country. It's not going to impact them. It's really just lining the pockets of the most wealthy. And I think, you know, they'll be laughing their way to the bank. But I think what's really happening is people are getting fired up about this and understanding the polls have indicated over and over again that the average American doesn't support this tax bill. They know that it's a scam. But when you ask Republicans about that polling, they say that voters are going to change their minds when they just see more money in their wallets. And, you know, it's true that the tax policy center says that still the majority of Americans will see lower taxes next year, about eight in 10, and only five percent will pay more. I mean, isn't that a good thing? And and couldn't that backfire for you all if if Americans wake up with more money in their wallets? I think it's be so modest in terms of uh, that that so-called tax cut. Uh, that when they see what the Republicans are going to be doing next, and that is making drastic cuts 
um, to the entitlements, to things like Social Security and Medicare. They use chain CPI for the calculations in this tax cut or this tax scam. Uh, and next, they plan on using chain CPI uh, on Social Security and reducing benefits uh, to recipients in this country. It's, it's, it's not me saying it. It's what they said, what they've actually said in their budget plan that they passed earlier this year, that they're going after those next. You know, one of the topics that's been really debated in the larger bill is that issue of limiting state and local tax deductions. Mm -hmm. Uh, We know that it will disproportionately impact residents of blue states, but Mm -hmm. some Democrats in town have suggested that maybe that was designed to specifically hurt Democrats. Do you think that's true? Well, I don't think there's any question this was one of the most partisan bills I've ever seen go through the House Representatives or the Senate. Um, with um, no input from Democrats at all. Uh, and, um, and, 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 and how you know that's the case is when the House actually takes up a reconciliation package, and, and that's, how, that's the vehicle they use to pass this bill, so that they can limit the vote in the Senate to 50 plus 1 and not 60 votes. That would have, uh, would, would have ensured that Democrats would have to have been involved in the negotiation um, that was completely avoided so as to make this a very partisan avenue for my Republican colleagues. Um, and so uh, when I look at issues like state and local tax deduct- deductibility uh, and the elimination thereof, uh, knowing that the impact will be on states like New York, California, Pennsylvania, Illinois, um, and other more, more, um, more often than not blue states, it's hard for me to, to say that there's no politics at all at play here. Of course not. I can't say that. Um, I had a a discussion with you know someone who I'm very friendly with on personal level, um, Tom Reed from New York, in the back of chamber, and you know we were talking about the fact that I don't think it's fair that upstate middle class voters are being pitted against downstate middle class voters in New York City, for instance. You know my constituents are as hardworking middle class as anyone in this country, and yet they're going to be hurt and they're going to see a tax increase um, when this bill becomes law. And I, 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 you know, they shouldn't be penalized because they're Democrats or because they're in a blue area, blue, blue state or blue, blue city. Um, and, and, I, and I meant that because I, I think that, you know, there's nothing more personal than taxes. And the, the code should be a fair code and not one that pits one portion of the country against another. And that's what they're doing here. So you mentioned that back and forth with, with Mr. Reed, and I believe this is a reference that you, you voted hell no on the bill. I don't know if that's officially right. recorded in the, <laughs> in, the, in the congressional record. But, yeah. but moving forward now, Democrats are going to be campaigning uh, uh, to, to win back the majority in, in 2018. Mm-hmm. Will the pledge be that this gets undone under Democratic rule, or, or how would you complete the sentence? What, what happens well, to I, this I tax think, plan? I, I Democrats think to suggest that if Democrats take back control of the House of Representatives and, and nothing else happens, that we can roll back these taxes. No, that's not the case. You can't do it with one House. Um, and so, but I, what I think Democrats will be talking about is going to be the ill effects uh, of what this is doing to our national debt, uh, that it's, it, we're, we're putting on the backs of generations that to come to pay for a tax cut for the wealthiest 1% in this country. Actually, the wealthiest 0.1% in this country is outrageous. I think that's something that gets through to people. They understand that they're setting us up for failure. The Republicans are setting us up for failure, setting up the, the fact that they're, they're going to blow out the debt and then call the, ring the alarm bells. It's, you know, it's like the, the, the old volunteer fire um, who starts the fire and then rings the bell to answer the fire. And their, their answer will be to cut Medicare um, and Medicaid and, and Social Security. And so I think those are things we'll be talking about. But you know what, though, Rick, in the end, we can't, we're not just going to be the party against Donald Trump. We're not going to be just the party against these tax cuts 
and the way in which they were implemented. We need to be the party for something, and that's why we're talking about a better deal, better jobs, uh, better wages, and a better future. And I see that in a massive, massive infrastructure bill that I think Democrats are going to get behind. But just to follow behind. up on that, what, what's the tax component of that look like? This is a major disruption to the tax code that's, that's going to go into effect. Uh, whether you win the Senate or you're not going to have the White House, what's the, what's the pledge about taxes that Democrats are prepared to offer? Well, I think what, that, what, 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 what we would say is that any uh, tax bill moving forward would have to reflect the values of not only the Democratic caucus, uh, but of the American people. We don't believe that this bill that passed the House and the Senate and will be signed by the president is reflective of who we are as a nation. Um, you know, it, 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 we're not uh, a, a country that rewards, you know, uh, the kleptocracy are those who would steal one in office to, 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 to um, put money in the pockets uh, of the wealthiest in this nation at the expense of, of the middle class and working Americans in this nation. And, and so, uh, you know, what, what I think we have to talk about is actually putting people back to work. The president said he would put people back to work. You know, I don't, I don't think American workers are going to see a pay increase. Um, but, but, you know, there have been promises by this president. This bill passed. They'll see a four to $7,000 pay increase in their take-home pay. It just isn't going to happen. I think those, those lies that were told are going to be exposed uh, once this uh, comes to fruition. I want to get your take on another part of the bill. The tax uh, bill also included a major change to health care policy. Right, right. Repealing the individual health insurance mandate, as you know. Right. Uh, President Trump says that essentially that means Obamacare is dead. Is he right? Yep. Well, look, it, it, it is a major blow in that if you take away that mandate, um, you know, what will happen is that those who are no longer mandated in insurance, you need to have everyone in the pool in order to bring down the cost to everyone else. If you take away that mandate, uh, you're, you're going to take away those folks, especially the most youngest and the healthiest amongst us, who will no longer be in that pool. It's going to mean that people with pre-existing conditions and those who have um, uh, uh, health histories are going to see prices increase in their premiums, and all of us are going to see a premium increase uh, because of that. We know that 13 million people will lose their health insurance that they have now under the mandate that they will no longer have. Um, so, yeah, I think it's going to it, – it's, it's really – you know, it's, it's interesting that uh, uh, Senator Collins and, uh, and others were so vehemently opposed to uh, un- uh, undermining the Affordable Care Act, yet they've done it with this tax bill. And I, I think that's also another, another example of, uh, of really uh, slipping something in uh, to accomplish two things in one stroke. And I, I think in the end, the American people, uh, they're onto it. They know what's going on. They're, gonna, they're, gonna, they're, they're revved up, they're fired up, and I think They'll show that in next year's election results. Your party was, was uh, I think, showed a remarkable message discipline around this. There were no Democratic votes in either the House or the Senate. None of the blue dogs, none of the moderate red states. Right. Senators, no, no one was tempted to, to cross the aisle. H- have you had any discussions around this, or is there any concern that you guys might have misplayed this? I mean, this is a tax cut, after all. The American people are going to, by and large, more, more than not, are going to pay less in taxes. There's a possibility the mess, the, 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 that, uh, that those numbers, the polling numbers get turned around. The economy could grow. What if you're wrong, and a year from now, this, this looks like it was good policy? Well, look, no one, none of us, I don't think any American wants to bet against America. We don't do that. Uh, Democrats don't do that either. But when we look at this bill, how it was formulated, the interests that were covered by this, uh, that for special corporate uh, interests, we see uh, a reduction of corporate rates by 14 and plus percent percentage points 
Um, what about the middle class? Did they get a 14% cut in, in, in taxes? Was they as permanent as the business taxes are? So we looked at this as a very one-sided uh, 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 really victory, and that is for corporate special interests and for the mega wealthy in this country. Um, you know, the average person doesn't uh, uh, earn their, in, uh, their income through limited liability corporations like the president does. Uh, they will not be exposed to a 20% tax on their earned income. Uh, and so uh, that, that's where I think the inequity really was here. And I think the American people understand that. They, they're getting chump change uh, in, 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 in to, to, to lay um, uh, the way forward for the mega wealthy amongst us to get a, pay, uh, a, 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 ma- a major tax cut. And I think the best way to, to, to describe this was that uh, one person out of 10 will get uh, eight sandwiches to eat, whereas the rest of us will be, the, the other nine will be fighting over the two sandwiches to eat. 80% of, uh, of what we have here is going to, and this tax break goes to the top 1%. Uh, and uh, the rest of us divide the, uh, the, the two, uh, two sandwiches left over. And that's how it is. That's the reality. That's what people are going to be facing. And at the same time, it starves the beast. It starves the government. And then we'll have to, you know, as Paul Ryan has already indicated, the next thing is to go after Social Security, go after Medicare and Medicaid. You're talking about this larger conversation about essentially values and priorities, where money should go or not go. And obviously, Congress is facing another big decision like that or a bunch of decisions like dealing with that because the federal government's about to just run out of money altogether. We're still in constant conversations about uh, spending decisions right now. It seems like there's indications that Congress is just going to sort of punt until the middle of January, perhaps uh, keep funding and spending as is and revisit those hard questions uh, in the new year. Is that sort of how you see it? And and what are the issues that Democrats are really planning to go to the mat over uh, when it comes to the longer term spending bills? It's one heck of a way to run a government, I can tell you that. Uh, The reality is that we've been going from fiscal cliff to fiscal cliff over over the last uh, uh, six or seven years now. And I think the American people are tired of it, but it is the way in which the Republicans have governed. Um, And yes, we have a continual resolution that expires on Friday. And if it expires, government does shut down. Uh, what we know is the Republicans have not been, they have their own civil war going on. The, the Tea Party or the Freedom Caucus have been holding hostage the, the Republican Caucus itself um, and threatening to withdraw votes if there's additional spending that they're not uh, in favor of. And, um, and so they've demonstrated uh, just a couple weeks ago they were able to pass a, a clean extender with no additional resources for the new year. Uh, and they got uh, the Freedom Caucus to join them on that. But I believe that if they try to increase any spending that they're not in agreement with, they're going to need Democratic votes, and therein lies our leverage. Without that, we have no leverage. Uh, but what would be our priorities? We want to ensure that uh, CHIP is there, um, fully funded for next year. That's the Children's Health Insurance Program. Make sure the community health centers are, f- are funded, uh, that the Dreamers or DACA uh, individuals, 800,000 uh, uh, people in our country, are, are secured here in the United States, uh, that uh, pension protection is a part uh, of this as well. We have the central states' pensions that are in crises, and those are the Teamsters uh, that needs to be addressed. Uh, we know that Puerto Rico and the Virgin Islands and Texas and Florida, in response to uh, the hurricanes, uh, we have yet to meet our obligation uh, to these parts of our country that need uh, protecting, as well as the forest fires in, uh, in California. As an example of some of the issues that are the priorities of the Democratic caucus that we would we would insist on seeing moving on 
uh, in a in a in a more extensive extender. That is a quite a, quite a quite a wish list for the new year. But we, uh, Chairman Chairman Crowley, we appreciate you being with us here, uh, Joe Crowley, Democrat Thank from you. Queens. Thanks so much. Thank you all. All the best. Happy New Year. All right. Same to you. So, Mary Alice, a couple things jump out to, at, at me in uh, in that conversation with with Congressman Crowley. One is uh, we talked at the top about the clarity that the parties are bringing to this. The Republicans are four square behind this thing. I, the Democrats are against it, but. But they're not about to say, we're going to undo it. We're going to repeal uh, this tax cut. They don't want to be seen as the party of tax raisers. So they're against this. They're against this bill. But they're going to have a hard time coming up with a concise, clear narrative about what they would do if they were in charge. It's hard for them to consolidate this growing list of priorities. The other part of the conversation that that stood out to me was uh, Congressman Crowley basically acknowledged that by scrapping that one part of the Obamacare law, they really did manage to gut that huge part of the uh, President Obama's former you know, legacy. And and really, when you add that on, sort of the fight over health care, the fight over immigration, the fight over the economy, I mean, I think Democrats are still really struggling to to put all these topics in order. Yeah, I think that's right. And and look, I, you know, I think they feel good about their chances against President Trump. And I've heard from several Democrats this week, and I'm sure you've had these conversations as well, that look, they've always known that the, the argument against Trump if they're going to be successful in the midterms and beyond, it can't be about him as a person because that's sort of baked in the cake. Everyone knows him. They've got their opinions of him. You need to win some Trump voters, quite obviously. it didn't obviously. work last time. didn't work last time. But if you make it about your vision for America, if you make it about what, what how, where you want to lead the country, they view this as a valuable exercise because to the, the, the minds of Democrats right now, this exposes Republicans to charges of hypocrisy or worse in, in lining the pockets of people that don't need them lined and saying you're not really the party of the middle class and the working class. That's, I think, the perspective that, that people like Joe Crowley are coming at this from and saying, look, you know, there's sure there are people in Queens and his district who will benefit from this, business owners and some upper income people. Uh, but the, on balance... People in the middle class or even upper middle class suburbs of this country who maybe they see some benefit, maybe they don't in this will say, you know, when there was a big opportunity for the president to lead, he did it in a way that really benefited the fat cats, the people like Donald Trump over the truck drivers and the teachers and the, and the union workers. And the congressman there really admitting, acknowledging that that's sort of their only play is to begin election, you know, sort of begin messaging yeah. to voters to try to get out sort of a different value statement like you're talking about, because at the end of the day, they just do not really have leverage on Capitol Hill, uh, especially if Republicans are willing to unify around big things like this, then and big spending bills where sometimes in the past they've needed Democrats' votes. If Democrats aren't needed to get things across the finish line, then Democrats' only play is to win back seats a year from now. Yeah, and that, and that game is on. And it, it's, it, it strikes me that as we wind down 2017, to have that clear statement of principles by both parties is actually a pretty rare thing. I mean, you have the biggest legislative achievement that happens to happen at, right at the end of the year, perfect for all the year-end stories and podcasts out there. Uh, but it also, it, it, it just matches up with the values of the parties. I mean, this is, not, this is not something that was thrust at anyone. This was an initiative that Republicans pushed for. If you were voting for a Republican in 2016, this was among the things that they were campaigning for, tax simplification, tax reform, tax cuts, what have you. Um, Obamacare wrapped up in this as well. And Democrats say, no, that's not the vision that we want. So for all of the the, 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 the crazy 
turns that we took over the course of this year with this unprecedented ride of the Trump presidency, you ended up with an ideological divide that actually is pretty predictable. Right. From health care to not in this bill, but in immigration, a constant sure. conversation over the last few months. But from health care to taxes to how we deal with business and corporation to energy and energy production, environmental sort of stewardship, all of these big items. I think you're right. We are actually the end of a very messy gray and metal year. We are seeing black and white uh, sort of differences between these two parties. It is. Uh, it has been a remarkable ride. Well, that does it for this edition of Powerhouse Politics. Uh, can we? I guess we can say this now because the president says so. Merry Christmas to to all all your listeners and a happy New Year, happy holidays to all. For Mary Alice Parks, I'm Rick Klein. Click on us next time. <laughs>